Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I may know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. When Joshua dismissed the people, the Israelites all went down to their own went to their own inheritances to take possession of the land. The people worshiped the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of one hundred and ten years. So they buried him within the bounds of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim north of Mount Gash. Moreover, that whole generation was gathered to their ancestors, and another generation grew up after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and worshipped the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed the other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were all around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and worshipped Baal and the Astartes. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the power of the enemies all around, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them to bring misfortune, as the Lord had warned them and sworn to them, and they were in great distress. 2 Corinthians Chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. I myself, Paul, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I ask that when I am present, I need not show boldness by daring to oppose those who think we are acting according to human standards. Indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy 
destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We are ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If you are confident that you belong to Christ, remind yourself of this, that just as you belong to Christ, so also do we. Now, even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem as though I am trying to frighten you with my letters. For they say, His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Let such people understand that what we say by letter when absent, we will also do when present. Good morning, and welcome to the first Thursday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Imesville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 139, Judges 2, and 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, and the, the Judges reading, uh, very briefly, is noteworthy. Um, I hadn't read this. I'd read through Joshua, but I forgot this part. But essentially, um, Joshua, you know, the military commander, um, the only child of none and who had no heirs, um, dies in 110. And then everybody who went through the ordeal of the book of Joshua of taking the land, they remembered. Um, the whole generation was gathered to their ancestors, and then another generation grew up who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And it's at this point when everybody who had experienced um, the Canaanite campaign uh, firsthand, who had participated in it, they were all gone, and their children forget what it's like um, to be led by the Lord um, into battle and then into the promised land. And in um, Judges, and this is, I don't know, it comes up a lot because Judges is where a bunch of violence happens that makes Christians uncomfortable. Um, it's only then that they do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, and God abandons the people because um they've forgotten what it means to be in relationship with him. Um, and eventually, so Judges is this descent into tribalism, like literally uh, there's 12 tribes and they very often fight against one another, they fight others, they you know kind of get things wrong, they sometimes get things right, um, but it's just this chaotic um, time where they've forgotten everything that, that God has done um, and they they each do what's right in their own eyes, which is to say what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, and so Judges is this becomes this book of chaos and descent into, you know, unruliness and tribalism and infighting. Um, because they lack strong leadership and um, steadfast faith. And so I imagine that's why this Second Corinthians readings, reading comes up. Um, in some of my research, this uh, passage is described as um, Paul, you know, the general addressing his troops, um, because out of nowhere he starts talking about like we we don't wage war according to human standards. We use weapons that aren't human but divine. We destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. We destroy proud obstacles. Um, and then we, we take 
prisoner every thought and make it obey Christ. Um, and it's, you know, it's thought to be, you know, this kind of battlefield rally cry. Um, and of course, Paul never served in the military, um, but it was common. And Paul definitely is educated, um, not just in Judaism, but in rhetoric and, um, you know, public address. And it was very popular in that um, Hellenic world, you know, the Greek Roman world, um, to use military metaphors, you know, fairly commonly in speech, you know, just like it is now really popular to say, thank you for your service, you know, ad nauseum, like it's just something that you do. Um, it is, it's so woven into speech at the time, um, that he's, if he's doing anything, he's showing his upbringing, his intellectual training, um, which was both in in Judaism under Gamaliel, but also in in rhetoric and grammar under you know the kind of typical Latin uh, schools. Um, Latin Latin meaning meaning Western, but um, actually may not have been much Latin if he comes from um, Tarsus and into Jerusalem. Um, but he he uses this kind of the style that's popular in the day. Um, and he's much more friendly on the surface, much more friendly to the military and to Rome and to, you know, those systems than other Christians were. A lot of um, early Christians, you know, the, the apostles and some of the earliest followers were highly suspicious of Rome. Um, and many of them, you know, had never left their own fishing villages or, or anything like that. And so um, they wouldn't have had the training that Paul had had, not just in the way the world expects you to speak, but also, you know, seeing and understanding the wider picture of what Rome does, um, that Rome uh, was actually quite lenient, uh, given that, the, you know, up until the Jewish war in 70 CE, um, Rome was pretty lenient with Judea, and it was kind of, it was actually a policy. You know, you, you win people over by giving them bread and circuses, essentially. Um, you know, don't rule with a heavy fist, because then you get a lot more insurrection. Uh, the Judeans were kind of picky about their rule. You know, they didn't want images uh, anywhere on their land, or certainly not in their temple, which is kind of weird to Romans, but... Um, in Jewish eyes, if you were born in Judea, you know, grew up um, devoutly Jewish, um, you had a certain understanding of the world, um, and you had a certain understanding of how Rome operated. Paul, however, because he's so highly educated, he probably has a sense that um, that Rome actually, compared to other cultures and um, you know, empires of the world had a, ruled with a relatively lenient um, kind of uh, policy set. Um, they knew that if you if you piss people off, they're going to rebel. Um, it's better to give people enough to get by, make them more or less happy, and they're less likely to get pissed off. Um, and you can then levy taxes from people as long as they're relatively, you know, not exorbitant. And you know the tax collectors are going to kind of get their share. Um, 
you know, an, an unruly, or I'm sorry, a, a, a mass in need is a problem indeed, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, you know, if, if they don't have enough, they're going to be upset and they're more likely to be unruly. But if you make them relatively happy and taxes are just kind of a, one of the things you do, then that was a, a more palatable option. Um, certainly by the time of the empire, by the time of, uh, you know, the, the events of the New Testament, um, they weren't so much expanding as they were just kind of trying to make sure the borders were stable. Um, so they weren't really like engaging in um, conquest and colonialism so much as they were just trying to maintain what they had and to uh, to keep their tax base and everything else. And so Paul is happy to be sympathetic towards Roman um, the Roman way of life, even as a Jew, uh, because he he understands probably more than most of his contemporaries do, um, kind of the wider context within which the Judean province was situated. Um, other provinces didn't fare nearly as as well, um, and so I think the idea that um, Rome is all bad that certainly was what Jews believed, um, but the educated and those who who had some ability to travel and gain some some context typically were much more sympathetic and far less um, and politicized about it, I suppose. And so Paul not only is showing his hand and, and you know kind of presents himself as a general rallying his troops, um, he also um, he also uses the same the rhetorical kind of training he has to very, very subtly undermine any Roman claim of exclusivity or um, you know being the only kind of uh, way to make meaning or the only um, religious system, political religious system. Um, and so it's a you know kind of a fine tooth or a fine edged sword uh, that he that he draws and he does it you know, really well and, and in this passage he makes clear that we are at war um, but we don't fight the way the world does. We fight against powers and standards and um, and we uh, attack arguments and make them captive to uh, obey Christ. Um, it may seem kind of Ra Ra Siskumba, and it, it was, but it was also a much more nuanced argument um, than we typically um, than we typically understand it to be. I actually have a praise uh, report for this morning, as opposed to a prayer, and that is that we sign the, the grant contract to begin lead remediation on our house in Walkersville. And so the time is drawing near where um, I won't be um, recording in Iamsville, but in our own house uh, up in Walkersville, have my my uh, prayer books and everything else. And so the, the light at the end of the tunnel is here. It's just a matter of weeks before we move back in to our own house and go on about our merry lives. So something to be thankful for for me and I appreciate all my listeners um, bearing with me in this time of change and chaos.
Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.